Diddle dum dum, British Strongman Podcast. Today we are going to cover moving events and little things that you can um, employ in your training straight away that are, are just going to make you get a little bit better at moving events measurably. Um, everybody seems to have like a, a decent plan where they're, they're progressing the, the deadlifts and they're overhead and stuff because it's like, I suppose it's quite very easily me- measurable, isn't it? Like you you put your 1.25s on either side and you get your you get your progression. Whereas uh, with moving events, um, sometimes it isn't. You have to think a bit more outside the box to get the the kind of measurability. And if you if you're anything like me, I need something quantifiable. Otherwise, I just I just won't do it. I, if I, if I can't see the progression session on session in some way, um, I, ju- I just won't do it and won't be motivated to execute it. Um, so Shane, I'll ask you. So what what are the, when people are training, move, when you see people training moving events, like on social media or you see people at comps, what are you, what are the, the biggest kind of bugbears that you have with people's general training? The, well, the most common one is one that bloody everybody speaks about, but it's because it is the most common one, which is not timing your uh, your events. So just going over 20 metres and thinking, oh, that was quick, and not actually knowing the exact time you got. Because with moving events, <clears throat> I like to... Uh, well, I'm quite simplistic in my weight selections for people. And the way I like to do it is like, have like a, a a weight that is kind of the standard for an average comp at this person's weight class. And you've got to realize that that's the, you know, it's getting the time down on around those weights that's going to score points. So you need to have like your progressions in place, just like you're doing your deadlift and stuff. But it needs to be more focused upon not just getting like a certain amount of weight, 20 meters, but getting it, a certain distance in a certain time. So therefore, when you're doing your, you know, like volume runs or whatever on a yoke, for example, you need to know that your five sets you're doing at 70, 80%, whatever it is, you need to know that they're going in the time that you want them to be, or else you're going to be drilling like the wrong wrong foot pattern, etc. Like if you're just doing your Let's say you're training for a 300 yoke over 20 meters and you're doing 230 to start for five sets. If you're just flying at 20 meters and you think you're lightning, then as you go to 240 and 250, you're probably going to still feel like you're going really fast, but you don't see the the difference in time. You might be adding a second to each run. And without tracking it like that, you're never going to be able to have a you know a proper progression. Just you're just guessing basically. Um, and that's a big flaw that I see, um, especially with, with pe- people use lighter weight. Um, they just think, oh, it's fast, I won't time it. And it, it's quite important to time because then when you add weight to the next week, for example, your goal then is let's get it the same time or even faster than what I did last week. And that way you're progressing linearly instead of just adding weight and slowing down your time every, every, every progression, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's great. So I think I think a key thing with the with the moving events is um, 
what what a lot of people seem to have is they think like going there, they, they think, oh, well, I'm training yoke or training farmers. So um, uh, I, I need to go heavy. And you see people and they, and they, 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 go, they just go heavy and they're, they're not necessarily getting that, that much that much out of it whereas because they don't see the value in going lighter because they're not measuring kind of what they're doing like we've said um so say for instance like i, th I think that's great actually Shane, what you just said about say for instance you you compete at say intermediate level and you might be need to be good with 300 yoke i think what shane i think what shane's saying is uh is absolutely brilliant about maybe having like say a time PB for twenty. Say measure your distance, whatever you can train tra train train with it. Your setup, yeah, where twenty meters would be ideal. But some people don't have that luxury. You might have ten meters. You might have eight meters. I, I have some people that I coach you measuring lamp posts. Like he just got, he just knows right. I'm doing five lamp posts today, and this is the time. And then next session he's going to do. We can do four lamp posts. Like. It, it, it doesn't have to be meters as long as you're getting that kind of con like continuous kind of consistent measurability that you can track your own data. Yeah. Ideally, if you, if you have like a measuring stick or, or whatnot, and you can mark out a track that that's going to be great because then you'll be able to measure your data against um, people who you're going to compete against. And you're going to be able to set your targets more that are actually more relevant, but Everybody can measure. Everybody can measure. Even if you if you don't have a your measuring stick, just just me measure something to the wall and back or whatever, and then time it. Um, but I think think what Shane Shane's saying is is absolutely brilliant. So say for instance you compete at like say intermediate level and you're doing a 300 yoke and it's probably going to be a 120 farmers or something like that. Like you you can be using as your little measurability tools over your 20 meters or 40 meters, 30 meters whatever you could you you could measure your speed and study how your speed changes when you do 100 farmers compared to 110 compared to 120 and maybe go a bit heavier and go 130 and use those levels as like your kind of almost like training levels if you will you can do the same thing with a yoke uh, you can go like say 260 280 300 320 and see measure what your performance is like and study what your kind of drop off rate is with with the speed compare your 260 yoke to your 320 yoke is it is it a similar speed um or have you dropped off quite a bit like that's such a good point because that's something i use which is like say someone's trying to get faster at 300 yoke i always think if it's like a 20 meter sprint i'm always wanting people as like top three spaces to be sub 10 seconds. You know what I mean? It's like, that's, that's kind of your winning time, isn't it? Yeah. So what I get them to do is like 200 yoke. What's that? Seven seconds, 220, you know, 7.9, eight seconds, 240 might be like eight and a half. And then it might go like 270 and it goes like 11 seconds. And yeah. then when you see that, you're like, right, this is the, kind of area we need to be exactly training. exactly yeah perfect so that so then you so if you you've got that drop off rate between whatever shane said 240 to 270 like what what we could we could be looking at like a little that can just write your next four week block or your four week progression you could say right well um next week we're going to work with 250 but you've got to keep it sub 10 
um, and then see if we can get three or four sets within that. And if you if they achieve that speed, then the following week we can sneak it up to 255, 260, still keeping sub 10. But if he's not, if they're not achieving that sub that sub 10, you, you might have a couple of weeks at that. Um, or you might have a a couple of another progression could be you right, well, we're going to in, increase the distance to 30 meters or something whilst maintaining the kind of same meters per second speed or whatever throughout. Um, another little thing that, that I like to do is if you're training for a comp specifically and you've got a big prep. So say, say, say for me, for example, right? I'll use um, official Strongman Games Worlds, right? It's 360, 360 car walk for 15 meters. So... I've got what have I got eight or nine months or whatever to prep for this. What I think would be good for me to do is instead of like say um just training all my yoke for speed and aiming for say 15 meters in sub seven and a half seconds, like realistically, I don't think I'm gonna be hitting that speed with 360 by then. I'd I'd I just think it is quite, it is quite heavy. But what I think w- what would be good for somebody like me to do would be in the next couple of weeks when I'm feeling good, do a little test at the comp setup where I do 360 for 15 meters. And say, for instance, I do, I don't know, say 11 seconds or something like that. That's my kind of tester. So for, for 15 meters. So I know that actually if, if I'm if I've gone max effort at 11 seconds for 15 meters, like realistically training at two meters per second or training my volume at, at, at like seven and a half seconds for the 15 meters, doing those sets is actually going to be very different mechanics to what I'm actually doing at the 360. So what I think would be good would be doing, give it work, working in 15 meters with time targets where I'm, I've done my 360 for 11 seconds. Right. I, like one of my, my next session could be right. Five sets of 15 meters sub 10 go as heavy as possible with that. And I could be like basically getting up to say whatever, 320, 330-ish but my mechanics aren't going to be that much different to the 360. It's just going to, so it's going to carry over quite well. I'm just going to, I'm just going to be going that little bit faster. And then week two, it could be right. Accumulate five set or three to five sets at the 10 seconds at the 320 to 330 range. And then I'm getting more consistent with that speed. You understand what I'm getting at Shane? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, just out of interest, what do you think your recovery would be like? Because obviously 360 yoke is a heavy, heavy, for an under 90, it's fucking heavy, heavy. Well, it's heavy anyway, isn't it? But for under 90 especially, it's a heavy, heavy, heavy yoke. Have you ever done yoke that kind of consistently that heavy? Um, And because I know a lot of viewers, listeners would be thinking about everyone, about the yoke flu and all this. What's your opinion on doing stuff like this heavy, it is li- literally how much you have put in at your base and like your, your, your peak, you're, you're going to be able to put more, more work in at the top end at higher percentages. If you built your conditioning through, through um, I suppose being consistent for a while with lighter weights. Like I remember Shane doing that. Do you remember when I did, obviously you remember when I did that fucking 
one mile yoke. I did the I did a four week block. I did the one mile yoke. First week was one fifty. Second week was one eighty for a mile. Week three was half a mile with two hundred. Week four was two twenty for half a mile. And then I went back to and then I went back into more traditional ways. I was do, I was doing like ten sets of ten sets of twenty meters at like fucking two sixty ish. Was feeling like a joke after that. After that little block of conditioning, like like a couple of couple of people messaging message me. Um, oh, Curtis was one of them actually. Curtis messaged me saying. Um, or like basically calling me out on it, saying that he just didn't think it was going to be effective or whatever. And I just said, the rationale behind it for me is like, I've got time now. So when I need to peak it for a comp, I'm going to be laughing because my recovery is going to be so much better than person X, person Y. And then I've trained it every week since. And then it came to the England prep where it was, what was it? 300 yoke for 15 meter drop and turn or whatever. Yeah, literally in that prep for for England's, I was I was doing like comp weight for three sets every week alongside my other stuff, and it felt it just felt I was able to just aim aim at picking up my times. I wasn't I wasn't thinking about re- recovery at all. Like my recovery is like so good on it. I find it in fact I find it so easy to recover from. Like I, I feel like I could do say 330 340 yoke every day and like be absolutely fine and not negatively affect anything else um but my point is it is just like any other exercise in terms of uh, building that base and building that recovery base um but on the flip side of that i do understand that some people aren't privileged enough to have access to a yoke every week i i've trained it every week for what one and a half years or something like without missing and um and that's be- and that is why my recovery is so good on it because i've actually accumulated shitloads of volume over time just like any other exercise but i know that practically it'll be a little bit more difficult than say somebody who uh, who just has a barbell and plates at the minute so um but yeah, you, you can like 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 I I'm confident I'll be going over like I can go over three hundred yoke every week for the next nine months, no problem, and I'll get the people who say that I imagine have probably like you say not done yoke for three or four months. Yeah, gone to an event session and done a fucking max yoke over twenty meters, and then got up the next day feeling crippled and. That's where it's come from because I think very common in strongman with moving events. Speaking about problems people have in moving events as well, go back to that. It kind of leads on from this point: is people don't train them week in week out, and um, like you're saying with the recovery, you build like people deadlift and press every single um, week without fail. I would actually probably say most strongmen probably bench more than they do moving events. Um, yeah. which is not even a, you know, I think it's a great assistance movement, but it shouldn't take priority over, <clears throat> you know, if you can take that out to fit something else in that's more specific, you should. So I always think, so if you've got time to bench, obviously if you don't have the kit, that's a different you know, scenario, but you've got time to do some kind of moving work. And I think doing moving events is, uh, 
something that you just have to do every single week. And like Josh just said, if you, even if it's light and doing stuff like building up your, your volume accumulation, so start at three sets, go to five sets, go to six, seven sets, eight sets. Once you're doing like 10 sets to 20 meters on a yoke at a reasonable weight, you're building up a lot of resilience. You're going to be mastering your position because a lot of people don't understand on things like yoke is like where your hips are in relation to like your shoulders and the center of gravity of the yoke and pushing the yoke slightly forward or, you know, pulling it. You can move the center of gravity of the yoke slightly with your hands. And there's a lot of like micro adjustments you can make to make it feel better, basically. Um, and not take as much out of you. And I know that's something you commented on with your uh, long distance yokes was because it was so light, you were able to feel, I think you were saying like you feel when you're getting a bit of back pump or something yeah, and you were like, but then I could alter the positioning and I was like, oh my God, like if I took my pelvis here, my back doesn't, I, I can't feel it in my back whatsoever. It feels weightless. Yeah. So if you do the volume at the lighter weights, yeah. these are things you're going to be able to pick up on. If you don't, and it's just heavy, you can't really think when you're under like a big, heavy yoke. You're just going to be thinking about stepping and making it. Whereas if you light enough where you can think and learn, then you're going to be able to take that resilience you've built and positions and apply them weekly to heavier yokes later down the line. So same thing on farmers, same thing on like front carries. I think it basically holds true to pretty much any strongman moving event really is if you do the volume and the work then you're going to be able to you know peak better because your foundations are better. these are just simple training principles that are applied in every other strength sport but for some reason in strongman with events they just get trekked differently it's and i don't i don't know why it's, it's quite strange really when we think about it yeah but the, like that that recovery thing is just is just priceless and um it made me realise when uh, we were training in lockdown one, I think it was, and um, uh, Luke Davis came, came down to train at my dad's and we trained yoke together and we did four sets of four sets of 20 metres with 320 and then put it up to 360 for, for 20 metres on the last set. And he was fucked for a while after that, like, as in, he said, said to me, he was like, it was, it was tough for him to recover from, if you will. Yeah. But like I was, I was like, I was fine and I was training the next day and like, you know, the kind of neural fatigue or what, like my, my recovery was just, I'm not saying better than, I'm not, I'm not saying better than Luke. Here. I'm, I'm saying that he is stronger. He would beat me at yoke at any kind of weight. And he's a lot stronger at yoke, but I'm saying that my recovery from that particular stimulus that that day was like even even in between sets and stuff he would like I was ready to go because I was like wanting to fit my other stuff in and and um so my point is is like you can improve the recovery aspect of like can't, can't get my words out but but basically you can um you know, what you've got to think as well is not only what you're saying about recovery between session, 
But once you build this, because um, this is the thing that I always, I always fucking talk about Luke R, but the thing that impresses about Luke R is it's really common in open weights to be a bit like that, where they like take two minutes between sessions and stuff. But because he's done the graph like that, because yeah. the reason why I like him as an example is people always used to use the argument with me when I was in like me younger days doing this all the time. Oh, it's because you're an under 90. It's because you're small. It's because you're fitter. Yeah. You don't know what it's like. And I always thought, I, I don't believe that, but I could never prove it because yeah. I wasn't under 90 doing it. You know what I mean? So that's why I like to use him as an example because every time somebody says it to me now, I go, well, nope. Uh, top guys do it now as well but he's able to do so much work in one session yeah that he probably triples what most people do yeah that's it that's brilliant like like i i feel like my recovery from all my different events that i train is better than most people that i see and the reason behind that is not because i'm 90ish kilos like I genuinely believe if more people trained a little bit more like me on certain events, then their recovery would be better. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's hundred percent true. Cause you've, you've really changed the way I approach a lot of stuff. And um, I used to train events like that myself, but not, I didn't know why I was doing it, if that makes sense. I just enjoyed it. Like, I used to love CrossFit. So I used to do stuff like, um, on my events, I'd do grace with a tire and stuff, 30 flips for time. And I'd do farmer's emoms for 10 minutes, 20 meters. I'd do, like, it's just the same stuff, really. But I just used to like that style of training when I did my events. I just used to enjoy it more. Um, and then that's what I always felt like. But people were like, oh, it's just because you're, 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 recovering it's it's and then i used to think oh maybe maybe it is i don't know um but then as i got older and wiser i've just realized that if you just it's not some magical exercise that doesn't respond to the same you know principles that everything else does you know you accumulate your volume you master your position and technique then you can handle more work at the heavier weights you can handle more work per session and then recover between sessions better. Therefore, can train it more frequently, more consistently, and you'll get stronger on it. So the, that's the biggest mistake with movement. Not only not timing it, but just not doing the fucking work. Like everybody wants to go yoke and put a big heavy weight on. And like I said at the start about being relatable to your competition events, the amount of guys I've seen in online that like 105ers that are yoking 400 kilos every couple of weeks and they're just snails pacing it. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I guess if you're training for worlds, one comp and you wanting to do the, cause I know worlds official strongman games has crazy heavy events in, unless you're specifically training for that, it's not a very good motor pattern to drill because those same guys are the same speed with 300 as they are with yeah. 400. So it doesn't really matter if you're going to a comp with a 310 yoke. It doesn't matter if you've done 450. If, you, if you're 15 seconds, you're 15 seconds, you know what I mean? Yeah. So to wrap up... The... I'll tell you who I'll call out. No one will listen to this. Lewis Beaumont. That's who I think about. When I think about big heavy yokes, do you know who he is? I think he's called Lewis. 
Yeah, yeah. He's a 105 at big, he's a drag type, so I'll give him that. But I see him every two or three weeks yoking 420, and I'm thinking, stop yoking 420. Like, stop it. <laughs> because he's walking with it, waddling, and I'm thinking, come on, mate, let's get fast with 330. It'll do you so much better as an athlete. And then the next week, you'll walk 430 again in uh, 27 seconds. I'm like, come on, mate. Some free, free, friendly advice there, Lewis. So to uh, to wrap up, we've, we've established that we believe that training moving events. It's just the same principles of what people train on the deadlift and the and the overhead. You'll go through your, however you however you structure your periodize your training. Whether you do like say whether you call it high. <laughs> volume block and you go into heavier and then you go into max round, whatever whether you just cycle these kind of intensities throughout the week all the time like someone like me um the point is that you you get a lot of value from say deadlifting and doing your overhead stuff at 50 to 60 percent where you're working on their technique and positions and your recovery is good etc and doing speed work um exactly the same principle applies to your moving events um if you're thinking oh great great this has got me thinking um but i'm really struggling at the minute because i've got no access to yoke no access to farmers no access to front carries i'll give you um an easy solution so what i'm doing with a lot of like quite a few of my clients at the minute who've um who are reluctant to get outside because they haven't got they haven't got kit, they haven't got the farmers, they haven't whatever, to, to train and build that conditioning base. What I'm getting people to do is I'm getting people to do like a lot of marching. Um, so they're doing stuff like, say, say for instance, uh, if you have access to a trap bar or a frame, um, you, can do, you can do grip marches instead of doing like, say, sets of 20 metres. What I'd say is do, do a set of uh, four steps 40 steps um when people saw me doing this they've in lockdown one they thought i was taking the piss but honestly like the th- stuff that we've talked about in terms of building a conditioning base of you you hold up something heavy and then you you you're marching with it you're you're having to stabilize through one side of your body and and um and that's going to carry over to when you when you're actually moving with stuff. Uh, how you can do your yoke, you can do your you can do your heavy un, you can do your your heavy unracks. You can do it um, it like like you're walking out a back squat, but then just march, um, and you're going to be able to go a lot heavier than your than like say your squat max, and you're going to build up that specific conditioning that's going to enable you to recover better when you get back to your moving events. Um, in terms of front carries and medleys, what you can do is just so fucking simple. Like at the end of like, say your log session is just grab your log, hold your log in the position that you're, that you're in just before you start to dip to go into the clean and just just bring your knee, knees up towards the log and, uh, and, and march in that position. You'll be able to go heavy as fuck it, with that as well. You'll be able to go heavier than your max log and you, you're stabilizing that object in front of you whilst having to 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 work on that control that unilateral control of um working on one leg at once um and then you could even employ employ the stuff that max said the other week about doing the heavy front rack stuff you do that with a do that with some marching 
and you're going to get that that um, you're just going to build a really great conditioning base for when that when you come back to training your moving events, all these like kind of aches and pains that people get. Oh, my knees are sore, my foot's sore, I've got plantar fasciitis, I've got my ankles are sore, my shin splints, I've got back pump, all this fucking shite. You can you can iron all that out with because if you feel any of that at the minute when you're doing these marches, all you do is adjust the load and put the load down to something that 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 is pain-free and then build up the tolerance and build up that base. And then I promise you, when you get back to doing your, your, your moving events, it, it's just, you're going to recover so much better and, and be able to peak. Like, remember that, that saying, it's so cheesy, but it's so true. Like the broader the base, the higher the peak. Yeah. Good shit. All right, mate. Diddle-a-dum-dum. Peace out, motherfuckers.